I want to uh, welcome you to the uh, 3 o'clock app session with uh, Ben Brinkman. Bro, it's packed in here. You've got to go multi-site already. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> multi-site app sessions, anyway. Uh, welcome to uh, Leading Like a Shepherd. Now, I want to just take a minute and introduce to you uh, your speaker today, uh, Ben and Katie Brinkman, uh, presently, right now, pastor, Canvas Church in San Diego. They've had the privilege to uh, launch two churches now in the last nine years. And what God has done in their ministry and what God is presently doing in their ministry is amazing. They have incredible ministry pedigree. God has always used them. We've been friends now for about a decade. And I appreciate I get to hear from the only pastor that I know that's actually taller than me. And so we were joking around. We were just like, man, we should issue a two-on-two challenge. Anybody in the room? I think we could take anybody in the room. But uh, no, get get ready. It's going to be a great time. Uh, After he's done speaking, there's going to be a time to ask Ben any questions that you would have just as it pertains to leadership and leading. So can you give a big hand to my good friend, Pastor Ben? I'm told I need to have this thing going. Is this thing going already? Yeah, you're good. Okay, cool. Hey, guys, thanks so much for coming to this session. Uh, I'm glad you're here. Um, here's my goal for today. I'm going um, to share with you a passage of scripture because in all honesty, I'm, I'm a preacher. I'm not really a teacher, and so I'll try not to preach at you because I know you're all preachers in here, um, but that's just who I am, and so I'm going to share with you a scripture, share with you some thoughts out of that scripture in the process, uh, share with you a little bit about um, my journey and my wife's matter of fact, this is my wife. If I got my wife, Katie, you know, yes, stand up. Um, this is my wife, Katie, and... Um, I might actually, when we go to the Q&A part, I might actually have her come up, and I might put John and Priscilla Bohr on the spot too and have them join me. So, um, But i uh, going to share with you a little bit about our journey, share with you some thoughts from Scripture about leading uh, like a shepherd, and then at the end, uh, just open it up for some Q&A, uh, because, you know, obviously in settings like this, there's a lot of things I could talk about that I think you want to hear. Um, but I think, you know, every time you leave, there might be some questions like, I really want to know this. And I don't know if I'll be able to answer it, but I'll do my best. And so uh, why don't we do this? Uh, why don't you turn to your Bibles, um, if you have one. It's, I mean, you're a pastor. You probably haven't memorized. But um, <laughs> turn to your Bibles to First Peter 5, 1 through 4. And I'm going to read this, and we're just going to platform off of that and uh, see what the Holy Spirit has to say to us today uh, on the thought of leading like a shepherd. First Peter 5. 1 through 4, and it says, And now a word to you who are elders in the churches. That's pastors, right? Uh, That's us. So a word to you pastors in the churches. I too am an elder and a witness to the sufferings of Christ, and I too will share in his glory when he is revealed to the whole world. As a fellow elder, I appeal to you. Notice what he's saying here. He's He's like pleading with them. Hey, God, I want you to listen up. I'm appealing to you. Hear this. Hear this next part. I appeal to you. Care for, or a lot of translations say shepherd, right? Shepherd or care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly. Not for what you will get out of it, because you are eager to serve God. Don't lord or or bring under your own power. Don't lord it over the people assigned to your care, but lead them by your own good example. And when the great shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of never ending glory and honor. Isn't that awesome? Let me pray. God, thank you so much for this moment together. Uh, Lord, thank you for this passage of scripture. God, I ask in the next few moments that, uh, Lord, all of us would open up our hearts in this place right now. God, as pastors, God, as leaders in the church, we'd open up our hearts right now to receive from your word. God, your word isn't something we stand on a a, a Sunday and present to the people. Your word is what feeds us. God, your word is what guides us. Your word is what instructs us. And so, God, I pray that we would glean something today from this and we would walk out of here, Lord, challenged. God, we'd walk out of here, uh, Lord, with, with, with some thoughts from your word on how we can maybe lead better, lead differently, and lead in a way. That pleases you. So Holy Spirit, we just invite you into this moment now. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 How many of you guys have ever uh, went to a party and you're excited about the party? You can't wait to get to the party. Uh, and you get to the party and then you are ready to hang out with your friends. And you walk in only to discover it's a costume party. <laughs> Anybody ever been there before? You don't have to raise your hand. Um, I, that, that's like the worst feeling in the world, isn't it? 
Like, like you are so excited to, to, to party with your friends. You're so excited to get there, but someone forgot to give you the memo that it's a yeah. costume party. I'll never forget when uh, our oldest daughter first started school and uh, she was in kindergarten. And, um, and, you know, being a parent has enough challenges. You got to keep up with all the emails, you know, that are coming in uh, from teachers and your school and what's yeah. happening and spirit week and spirit yeah. day and whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, you know, it started in, in uh, when she was in um, kindergarten. And we got the email saying, hey, it's PJ Day. Anybody remember? You got kids, PJ Day, right? It's PJ Day. And so we're like, sweet. And so we've been talking it up, you know, all week long leading up to PJ Day. And man, you're going to wear your pajamas and it's going to be fun and it's going to be awesome. And so she's all excited. I'll never forget. I mean, here we are. You know, we're just new to this whole school thing. New parents, right? Get her there. She's all dressed so cute in her PJs. And we open the door and as she walks in, nobody else has PJs on. Right? Like, like epic failure parent moment right and uh and we walk in and she just stands there just terrified and petrified like you know and you can see like the little tears start to well up and and whatnot and just so embarrassed and everybody's looking at her and the teacher looks right at us like you stupid parents right um and i'm just like dang it you know and so like what do you do and we look at her and it's like do you want to go home and change and she's like yeah you know and so we take her somewhere along the way someone sent out a memo that we didn't get right the email that said hey pj day had been been moved right um but there was just there's nothing worse than than getting ready and thinking you're showing up wearing the right thing or thinking you're showing up you know doing the right thing only to realize that you're doing it all wrong come on are you with me like it's like that pj moment where you show up so excited like dang it right well, here in 1 Peter chapter 5, the reason this idea of being a shepherd is being addressed is because clearly there was an issue with it, yeah. right? Yeah. And the reason it's in, in Scripture today that we can read it thousands of years later is so that we can continue to be challenged as pastors and as leaders to make sure that we're leading in the right way. You with me? That we would lead people the way God wants us to lead people. That we would teach people and instruct people and pastor people the way the way that God would want us to do that. And so the, the writing here encourages, hey, pastor, I want you, I, I'm appealing to you. I'm pleading with you. Pay attention now because there's some keys here, something you need to understand when leading your church. And, and honestly, one of the things that, that I fear is that sometimes we could be just just coming ready to lead our people and we're excited to lead our people but maybe we've been taking our cues from the wrong place right maybe we've been taking all of our cues from the greatest leadership books out there maybe we've been taking our cues from some great ceos and the marketplaces and now listen to me i don't want you to get me wrong there's great principles that you can apply right but we cannot take our cues from the way the world leads, yeah. right? The way, the way, you know, CEOs lead. What we need to do is we need to go back to Scripture and say, man, what, what is my job truly as a pastor? Because here's the thing. Our job as pastors is not to build the greatest churches in the world. It's not to build the most amazing ministries in the world. It's not to build the most creative, you know, spaces that people got. Here's our job. Our job is to care for the people yeah. that God has entrusted to us. Let me just say this, when you understand the way that God wants us to lead the church and you do it the way God intended, there is a lot of pressure that comes off of you. There's a lot of weight that comes off of your life. How many of you guys in here, um, you have planted a church in the last three years? Okay. How many of you guys are are planning to plant a church? Raise your hand. How many of you guys are in here just because you want to hear about uh, leading like a shepherd? All right. (laughs) I'm telling you, there are so many stresses when you plant a church, right? External mostly, but or internal coming from you. Um, that, but if you just kind of take a deep breath and go back to the passages, say, God, what did, what did you call me to do? Then a lot of that weight begins to lift, lift off of your life. Lift off your life. Because God, God, God just wants you to lead the people. Now listen to what it says. It says, I want you to care for the people, the flock. Listen to now, that God has what? entrusted to you right entrusted to you doesn't say hey i want you to care for the people that you've worked so hard to gather okay care for the people that god said i'm sending you to that city i'm sending you to that place because there's a people i'm going to entrust to you and as i entrust to you don't worry about 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 growing this thing and blowing this thing up just worry about caring for those that i've entrusted to you and as you're faithful with a little 
God will give you more. Here's the problem. Sometimes we, we flip that, right? And, and, and we want to be faithful with more, right? <laughs> be faithful with a little, and God will give you more. Care for those that are entrusted in trust. Because there's nothing, honestly, there's, I don't think there's any worse feeling as a pastor or leader. And it's, it's a wrong feeling. But when you, 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 you know, Sunday morning happens and someone gets saved or some ones get saved and they give their heart to Jesus. But you're driving home depressed because you didn't like the attendance. Wow, wow that's good. I guess I'm the only one that feels that way. Right? <laughs> Or, or and then and then it and then it kind of compounds on Monday when you get the report from the CPA, right? And you're like, did anybody give yesterday, right? <laughs> right? And, and all of a sudden, the way you got to push the pause button and say, wait a second, look, look, why don't I just take care of what God entrusted to me, and then God will take care of all the rest, yeah. right? Let's just do the part that He entrusted us. I, uh, my wife and I, we we planted our first church. In 2009, we were originally Ark Plant uh, number 77, and so there's been 803. Is that what they said yesterday? 803 now, and so we were like 720 whatever churches ago, and uh, and so we were still in the guinea pig stages, right? Um, but the way we found the Ark, um, incredible story for us. The way we found the Ark is we were coming out of a ministry, um, great ministry, um, but the season they were in, they were saying, "Hey, we're you can go. We're sending you, but we don't want to be a part of you." I'm like, "What does that mean?" We're better together, right? The t-shirt says it. Like, they've been talking about it, like, right? And so you're like, you can go, but we don't want to be a part of you. And so it sent us on this search to find, you know, what, what are we going to do? And thank God for the ark. Thank God for a man named Michael Smith. I don't know if any of you guys know Michael Smith. He's like one of the OGs of ark. And it was like, ark back then was like, here's our number, call us. And so we, we, we called him and Mike answered the phone, spent two hours on the phone with me talking through some stuff. And we just immediately fell in love. But um, that connection then launched us. And here's the thing. Um, when we went to launch our church, um, because... Of the the way my ministry seasons had worked, I was in connection with all the same people that of the church that was sending me out, and they said, "Hey, um, look, um, we're like I said, we're going to send you, but we don't be a part of you. By the way, you can't go after any people or any finances and ask for support from these previous connections." And um, and so I looked, and it was like thirteen years worth of relationships, and I'm just like, God, what are we going to do? Now, the reason I'm sharing that story with you is because it was in that moment. Um, that I just asked myself, God, is there not, maybe it's not even a better way, but is there a different way of leading? Is there a different way of leading? Uh, because if we're not careful, we can take our cues, right, from the corporate world wow. and begin to run the church like it's, this, like it's this company. The church isn't a company, right? Uh, it's, it's, it's his kingdom. And he has a way that he wants this thing. And I really began to ask myself some questions and begin to wrestle through some things and, and ultimately found the answers in the Bible, right? I mean, it's, it's funny how as pastors on Sunday, uh, we teach the Bible and it's like, everything you need is found in scripture. And then we go home and it's like, how are we going to do this thing? And it's like, <laughs> the Bible, you know, it's, it's pretty awesome. Uh, let me just go back and look at this passage. Um, and just share with you just, just a couple of thoughts out of this. And um, ultimately, after reading this, one of the things that led me to was it led me to the best shepherd of all, right? Like if we're going to lead like a shepherd, well, who's the best shepherd of all, right? Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me, right? Do things. Um, and, uh, and I went there and I'll just throw that out there. We're not going to go there today, but I'll just throw it out. Read, read, read. If you want to know how to lead like a shepherd, read Psalm 23. Right. And take your cues from the best shepherd of all. Uh, but let me just point out a few things here in this passage. And, and once again, I don't know that I'm going to give you uh, phenomenal principles. Really what I hope to do is just maybe spark a thought in you that, um, that you could go back and say, am I, am I leading the way uh, that the Bible wants me to lead? And, and if I am great, if I'm not, what, what, what tweaks could I make so that I could lead more like the way Jesus wants me to lead? The first one is this, and it's in verse 2. It says, care for, care for the flock. Our, our job as leaders, you know you're leading like a shepherd when you care for the people. When you care for the people. Here's, here's one of the, uh, the things that I struggle. I'll talk from my, my point of view is it's, it's very hard when we were launching the church, and it's, it's just a constant battle, is to not uh, use the people God has given me to try to get the people I think I want. 
Because when you show up on day one and it's your first message, I'm looking out there. I'm like, I know none of you except for my wife and a couple of the team. Awesome. I don't know any of you, but you're my church now. But yet you don't look like the church I thought about in my mind. Right? And the, the thing that happened with me is sometimes I found myself trying to use these people God had entrusted me with. Wow, come on. That I'm supposed to be caring for. Right? And I found myself using them to try to get these other people that I thought I really wanted. Am I the only one that's been there? Yeah. But here's what's happening. It's like, and here's the thing. God obviously saw that. So he says, hey, we're going to write 1 Peter 5. Right? Let's get back to the basics. And here's what I want you. I want you to care for the flock that God has entrusted. God has entrusted. Care for. Care for. That word is the, it's the word shepherd, to feed, to tend a flock, to keep sheep. Now, Here's something you got to notice right away. I said it earlier. It's like, you know, like God doesn't, he's not calling you to just, just create this great program and this great organization. No, he's, he's calling you to shepherd. Okay. Now, if you've never done a study, a study on shepherds in the Bible, shepherds aren't sexy. <laughs> it's not like, it's not like, oh my gosh, when I get older, I'm going to be a shepherd. <laughs> Like, as no little boys were running around back in the day with little shepherd action figures. <laughs> Are you with me? I mean, they weren't running around like, oh my gosh, I'm, like, I'm going to be, uh, right? No. It, it, it just wasn't something sexy. I mean, it, he, this is the terminology he uses of us as pastors, right? But I think sometimes, you know, when you can look at church culture, man, we can kind of get a warped view of what wow. it means to be a pastor, yeah. right? I mean, if I put some skinnier jeans on. <laughs> This is as skinny as mine get. Yeah. Right? Yeah. If I, is somebody with me? Yeah. My wife's like, you ain't putting anything good. <laughs> so what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to care for. So this would be my question for you. Because here's the thing. As your church grows and God entrusts more people to you, you obviously can't care for everyone. But if you care for everyone, you'll find a way to care for everyone. Does that make sense? You, 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 humanly, you can't go around caring. If your church is over 100 people, if it's over 50 people, probably, like, you can't care for everyone. But if you care for everyone, because you want to care for the people, you will find a way to care for everyone. Because that's what we're supposed to do. We're not, it's not about, and here's the thing, it's like a, a lot of times, you know, I think because in our culture, because we take our cues a lot of times from our culture, quantity equals better right if we use that scenario with hamburgers then mcdonald's has an amazing hamburger because <laughs> they sell so many hamburgers right right but but that's kind of our cues but what happens when god said no what's going on in the heart of this person yeah, that's good. right that's good. do you care for them right and so as a shepherd when we lead like a shepherd that doesn't mean we throw all the other principles of leadership aside but, but it means that we've got to go back to biblical principles and say, man, what does it mean for me to lead like a shepherd? Lead the way the Bible wants me to lead. I've got to care for the flock that God has entrusted to me. And in my journey, I really did at times, especially early on, find myself thinking, okay, this is great. We've got this many people. Now with this many people, we can go and reach. Right. Mm-hmm. Right? Come on. And I just have to realize, no, I'm just going to be faithful with this and and care for these, these people. Care for these people. Now, the next one I want to point out is this. is for uh, entrusted to you. Uh, the next one, uh, same verse, verse 2. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly. I just want to highlight that thought of watch over it. I'm going to care for it, but I'm also to watch over it. Okay? What am I watching over? I'm watching over people. I'm caring for people, but now I'm watching over people. And if we're not careful, as pastors, what happens is is we end up looking over people rather than watching over people. What what do I mean by that? What do I mean by looking over people? I think everyone in here, including myself, is guilty sometimes. We see the people that God's entrusted to us, and it's like, (laughs) I can use those ones, but I'm not sure about that one. (laughs) Right? right. Like, like, where could we fit that person in? Right? And it's so easy sometimes when we take, if we take our cues from another area to look over people. 
right? Look, just look, look right over. I'm like, oh, come on, every church has one, right? Yeah. Right? Right? And we find ourselves looking over it. How many of you guys have those, you know, like you got the crazy, weird relative in your family? All right, raise your hand. Okay, all of you that don't have your hand, raise. You might be the crazy person, right? You're like, I don't have one. I'm like, yeah, you it. We got to make sure we're watching over, right, and not looking over. And, and not looking past. Have you ever had those conversations before where you're talking to someone and you're engaged in that conversation and you feel like they're just looking right over your shoulder for the next person they can talk to? Yeah. Yeah. That's such a horrible feeling. Like, so it's fun sometimes just to throw something out there to see if they heard it. You're, like, you're ugly. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> that's, that's a horrible feeling. And yet, sometimes I think inadvertently, maybe not in a conversation per se, but we can do that to the people God's entrusted us with. And they're just so, like, happy to be there. And they're so happy to be a part. And they're just like, and we're just like, we got to watch over, not not look over. Just highlighting a few things here in in the passage. Willingly, not grudgingly. There's the key there, right? Now listen to this part. Not for what you will get out of it. Not for what you will get out of it. Not for what you will get out of it. Remember, he likens pastors to shepherds. The thing about a shepherd, most shepherds in scriptures, the flock they were watching wasn't even theirs. And it was a pretty thankless job, right? And here he's saying, I want you to lead like a shepherd. And I I want, you to, I want you to not do it for what you will get out of it. Not what you'll get out of it. Here's the thing we need to, to make sure, and here's how you know if you're leading like a shepherd. You know you're leading like a shepherd if you're building his kingdom and not your kingdom. Right? If you build, my focus is building his kingdom. Because when you, when you have this focus of building his kingdom and not your kingdom, then everything changes. When the church, you know, gets planted down the road, you're not like, oh, everybody's going to go there. Well, with that attitude, they should go there. (laughs) Right? Man, when you have a kingdom mindset and you're building the kingdom rather than your kingdom, right? I'm not, we're not, I mean, as shepherds, I hope we're not in this thing for what we can get out of it. Other than the end reward, right? Just a thought. What, what What are we doing it? What are we doing it for? What are we doing it for? We need to, uh, how do I put this? We need to care, let me put it this way. We need to make sure that we're not using people to build our programs, but we're using programs to build the people God's given us. Right? I, I've been guilty of it. Using people to build this so we can, no, no, this exists to build, to build the people. This exists to build the people. Not for what I'll get out of it. And let me just uh, highlight um, this next one here, verse 3. Don't lord it over the people assigned to your care. Don't lord it over the people assigned to your care. What does that word lord mean? It means to bring under one's power. So he's saying here, hey, look, don't bring people under your power. Don't lord it over them. Don't, don't take this moment to lord it over. But man, now what are we going to do? We're going to lead like a shepherd. Let me just say this because I, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm open, like talking openly. Manipulation is not a gift. Manipulation is not a gift. But as pastors, I'm just going to say it, sometimes we can be master manipulators. But manipulation is not a gift. Getting people to do something because, and maybe they should be doing it. And maybe it's even a biblical principle you're trying to get them to see and do. Manipulation is not a gift to get them to do it. Being the master at spinning things is not a gift. It's not a gift. Here's what we got to do. We got to go back to this and say, you know what? I want to lead like a shepherd. I want to lead like a shepherd, but sometimes I feel like, and here's, listen to what I'm saying, because I know I've been guilty of this, but as I look back in my journey, 
there wasn't like this intent to do these things. It wasn't like I was going in with it like, well, I'm going to, I'm just taking my cues and I'm running and I'm like, man, we're going to build a church and it's going to be awesome. And, and I find myself in this place, find myself showing up to kindergarten in my PJs, right? <laughs> and it's not PJ day. I find myself running with these great principles only to realize, wait a second, heart check. I'm not leading with the principles he wanted me to lead with. Right? Let me just give you a few things here, a few thoughts. Uh, A shepherd cares more about the people than the programs. A shepherd cares more about the people than the programs. If you find yourself getting frustrated with people because they're not running the programs the way they should, and you find yourself getting upset with, I mean, they're volunteers. Right? (laughs) Or they're, or they're just hurting people trying to find Christ, right? I mean, we have some people right now. We're set up and pack up. Uh, we have been since, like, the days of Moses. It's awesome. And literally, like, like I was at a great church in, in San Diego, and uh, we just got a building, like, six months later. God launched us to a great church in Vegas, and we were set up and pack up in San Diego, and we got a building. We moved. We get to Vegas, and like we're set up and pack up. And then we get this awesome building, and like nine months later, we're moving to start a church. I'm just like, dang it. Right? <laughs> but now we have these people on our team right now that, you know, some of them, like, I don't even know where we're at with Christ. I don't know where they're at with Jesus. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm working with them, and our team's working with them. But they're just so happy to be there. And here's the yeah. thing. If all of a sudden we get upset with them, it's like, wait a second, right? right. And we need to care more about the people than we do the program. Uh, a shepherd cares more about the process than the product. That's good. A shepherd cares more about the process than the product, right? When you look at Psalm 23, it's all about a process. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters, right? He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemy, right? What is all about a process? And you know what? That's what this thing's about, man. I think someone in the 7 for 7 talked about like the the in-between. It's not about the destination, what happens in the middle. A shepherd cares about the process more than the product. Because here's the thing. If we take time on the process, the product's going to be beautiful as long as it points back to Scripture, right? Right? The shepherd, I think I already shared this, my shepherd cares more about the kingdom rather than their kingdom. The kingdom rather than their kingdom. We went out to start our church and, man, it was not a, not a bad sin, but it wasn't like the greatest sin and it caused me to go on this journey like, God, is there a different way of leading? And he just led me to these passages and said, Ben, well, why don't you, why don't you lead this way? And I love uh, my, my uh, pastor in Vegas the last thing he said to me is he said, Ben, take the good you've learned from me and leave the bad. So his last words to me. And he said, hopefully there's a lot more good than that. And I was able to then just strip down and take that good. And, and we launched out. And uh, so we launched our first church um, on January, February 8th, 2009, Urban Church in downtown San Diego in a nightclub. Um, there's a reason why they don't have me doing an app session on how to start a church because we didn't start it the right way, even as our church plant number 77. We started with a Sunday night service in a nightclub in downtown with no parking. It was awesome. And, uh, and so we did, you know, we just felt like that's where God was calling us. And so we did it in uh, February 8th, 2009. And uh, things got going. We launched with 149 in attendance. And uh, the next week it went down to like 112. And then the next week it was like 84. And I think we finally settled in like right around 68 people. And then so we just started the build, and uh, about three months after being in that nightclub, we moved uh, over to a, uh, a school uh, not far from there, and um, in that school, man, things really started to take off. We ran out of space, ran out of parking, we're like, okay, let's go to the next level, kind of moved outside of downtown just a little ways, and about three or four months after moving outside of downtown, things were going great. We finally launched a second service. Uh, it's about three years into our journey. Things are going great, and we're excited. Um, and, uh, and about four months in, I remember I got a call about midnight on a Tuesday night, I think Monday night, Monday night about midnight. And uh, it was from a police officer that goes to our church and says, hey, man, uh, you need to get over to where you meet right away. The whole thing's on fire. And I'm just like, what? So we get over and we store all of our stuff 
in this in this school. And so I'm like, oh, no. So I get there. Sure enough, I've never seen that many fire trucks before in my life. There were like 22 fire engines. The place was crazy. The place was on fire. And I'm just like, what? And finally, the ATF comes over and is like, hey, what are you doing here? And I'm just like, oh, we have church in there. And ended up finding out that there had been a guy going around starting arsons on faith-based communities in the area. Never caught the guy. Um, but here we were, three years in. This is not just, you know, we're planting now. Um, this is, man, we, our livelihood. And, uh, man, it was just like, what are we going to do in this moment? And uh, Ark was such a huge partner in that moment, ended up sending resources. Let's get this thing figured out. But in, uh, in, uh, in that year, in 2012, I call it the ministry year from hell. Literally, we had flames in our church, right? Um, we'll get it later. Uh, and we lost you know, everything. We just, so we took that time to just begin to shut down uh, Urban Church and begin to think, like, what are we going to do, man? Like, what are we going to do? I want to share that part with you just because of this, that through it all, through all those tri holes, we stayed true to this right here to the Great. best of our ability. It would have been so easy in that moment to maybe start to lead from a different platform and maybe even use a little bit of manipulation. Like, hey, man, we had a fire. We need money, kid, you know. But we tried our best to stay true to that. What does this look like? Because, you know, this, this is the place that people got saved. They're hurting right now. Yeah. This is the place where people had, had made, you know, met their spouse and now they're married. This is the place where, you know, their kids got dedicated, you know. And, and so we just, man, we just honed in on this. Like, let's just care for the people. And so we shut down. We relaunched in 2013 as Canvas Church. Um, and so this January will celebrate six years as Canvas Church. Thus, we planted two churches in the last nine years. Um, not the most fabulous way to plant churches in but nine years. Um, Shortly after, man, we got everything back from the insurance, which if you've never done an insurance claim for, I should do a session on that, yes. an insurance yeah. claim for churches, um, brutal process, finally get money, finally able to get stuff back, um, and we finally get everything back, and 30 days later, our trailer gets broken into and stuff gets stolen. Long story short, we've had one arson and four, two total thefts and four break-ins, um, so we're finally recovering, thinking, man, what are we going to do? Whole time again, we're just going back to this. God, you know, let's just lead people. Let's care for people. Let's watch over people. God, you're going to take care of all that stuff. And he did. He continued to just bless Camus Church. Um, we, uh, we ended up getting everything back. We started the church, started another campus. And now we think really things are taking off, man. We started a second campus. Like, oh, yeah, it's the dream, right? It, no, not really. Hated it, but started another campus and got two campuses going we think things are going great and we're leading people this way the best that we know how only to sit down and have uh, breakfast with um, my pastor was over the first campus and uh, he looked me in the eyes and he just we're sitting there and he says well the reason I wanted to get together with you is because I don't like you and I just I started I literally started laughing you can ask my wife because I thought he was joking I was like how could you not like me I'm a shepherd, right? I care about you. I literally started laughing. I'm just like, what? And then I realized he was serious. And I was like, oh, snap. He really doesn't like me. And so, man, that led us on this weird journey over the next six months. And here's, here was my downfall, okay? To a fault. Um, I love the dude. One of my best friends. And so I said, here's what we're going to do. I want to salvage this friendship, so I'm going to pay you a salary for the next six months. I don't want you to come into the office. You just go, go. We're going to meet once a week. We're going to try to work this thing out. Now, leadership, take that somewhere else, probably not the best thing to do, all right? But I did it. Why? Because I was looking at this. I'm not, I care for this guy. Right. I care for this guy deeply. And, uh, and so we did. It ended up being a horrible situation. He ended up leaving the church anyway with his family, lost 100 people, lost about $300 in revenue. 300000 300000 what I say? $300. Yo, 300000 yeah. I don't know because I'm such a good shepherd. I'm just watching over the people. I don't know how much. Wow. No more skinny jeans. Um... And so, uh, man, we, we literally had to stay, step back. And here's the thing. I want you to hear this. Because once again, um, when you care for people, it's not about what's in it for you. Right. right? It's about, I care about these people. What's best for the people? And so we literally had to take a step back. Two campuses lost this guy, now lost money, and now lost people. 
And I just step back and my leadership, obviously it's still a leader. Notice it's lead like a shepherd. It's not like throw all leadership out the door and just, you know, come on sheep. You know, it's, it's leaders, lead like a shepherd. And so I had to step back and I had to look at our church and I had to ask this question. What's best for the people? What's best for them? Because best for us was, come on, we got two campuses. Come on, we're rocking this thing out. We're going we're gonna to figure this thing out. But I had to say, no, what's best for these people? And so as, we, as soon as we looked at it and said, okay, what's best for the church? What's best for the sheep? What's best for the people? It's we got to shut these things down and bring this thing together and get people healthy. Get people healthy. Not about building my kingdom. Not about the organization. It's about, man, there's people hurting now because one of their pastors just left and people are like leaving left and right. And man, people, and, and honestly, that was what now? That was three, two and a half, three years ago, two and a half, three years ago. And still today, we have one couple in our church that still is struggling with it, but we're caring for them. We're passing them. We're loving on them. Right. And so this just isn't principles from scripture. When you start to apply it, listen to me, it's not always the easiest road to walk. Right. Right. And there's learning lessons along the way, things you can learn. Um, so we brought everything together uh, about three, two and a half years ago. Actually, I think we've been in the theater just over two years, right? So about two years ago, brought everything together in a theater, halfway in between the two campuses. And, um, and man, best decision we made. Best decision because we looked at it and said, what's good for the people? Now there's so much life and there's so much healing and there's so much hope. And the church is bigger than it was when we had two campuses. Yeah. And things are happening. Um, and so now uh, we actually have on our executive leadership team, we have six uh, former lead pastors on our executive leadership team. Uh, we actually had eight up until two months ago. Um, but that one, uh, we absorbed a church and they came on staff. Uh, but that one, uh, we, we both felt like, hey, um, the best thing is like there's this job opportunity for you here. You should take that. We blessed them and sent them out. Um, just, uh, just what was it last year? We counted, we had 18 former pastors on serving in ministry, like not even on staff, just serving on ministry. They had either shut their church down and came to be a part of us, or they left the former church and just say, can we just serve here? I say, I say all that to uh, say this, that when you lead like a shepherd, you create, create a healthy environment for people to come with hurts and wounds and they discover that, you know what, they care for me, they're watching over, and they're helping me recover. And, and because of that now, seriously, we have, like, these people are, like, our, our uh, worship pastor used to be a, um, a worship pastor at a church of 7,000 people. We don't have 7,000 people. Not yet. But he's will, like, loves being there because of this idea and because of the principles that we've instilled in. So my, my challenge to you would be this, is that how are you leading? How are you leading your church? Maybe you're, maybe you're a staff person, you're over something. How are you leading the, your people that God's, put on, that God's entrusted to you? I think sometimes it's easy to look and say, look at the people I've gathered. No, these are the people that God's entrusted to you. How are you caring for them? How are you leading them? Are you, are, are you shepherding them? Are you watching over them? Are you making sure you're not lording something over them? Are you, are, you, are you making sure that, man, you're just, you're, you, you're caring for those, for those people? And I believe that's why today, matter of fact, we had a, a pastor um, that was launching a church um, not far, actually not far from us, five minutes from us. And um, I found out about it, and I was like, hey, man, why don't you come over, and, um, and uh, we'll pray for you. And he was like, awesome, man. So we came, and we, uh, in the middle of praying for him, I just felt like God said, hey, I want you to take up an offering for him. Now, usually I run those things by our elders, but it was spontaneous, and I can just blame it on the Holy Spirit later. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and so I just stopped the prayer time. I said, you know what? I just feel like we're supposed to, man, take up an offering and bless him. And I said, as a matter of fact, if, if you live closer to where he's going to be launching in two weeks, come talk to him afterwards and, and maybe consider going to his church. Now, you know that's the Holy Spirit, right? <laughs> I was like, you should consider maybe going to his church. And so we took up an offering. It ended up being one of the biggest offerings we've ever taken. And I was just like, dang it. No, it's good. Like, <laughs> right? I think I said only 10% was going. Um, and we prayed and, and, and whatnot. But this is the cool thing, is that people came up. And I didn't do it for this because I didn't know this was going to happen. People came up afterwards and were like, 
this is my church. I'm like, I know. No, no, no. Today, I've been coming for a couple months, but I made the decision today, this is my church. I'm like, why? Because if you're willing to do that for him, I know you're, this is a, I know you're a good shepherd. And I'm like, so now we strategically plan that in every couple of, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, we don't do that. That would be manipulation, right? Um, and it was just so cool to see people buy in, you know, more. And here's the thing, what were we, what were we doing? We're just loving on this. So here's what happened. So he goes out, starts a church. And, um, and we, we do the best to get them set up for success. Church only lasts about three months. And, and it shuts down. I, I find out about it. I'm like, man, how you, I kept reaching out. How you doing? How you doing? How you doing? Twelve months after he shuts down, goes by, he shows up at our church again. Had a chance to talk with him that day and said, man, what's going on? He goes, well, it took me 12 months. To re- I was just embarrassed. I was ashamed. Like, we didn't make it. I was able to help him through that whole moment. And uh, because of that moment, because of the moment where we said, man, we believe in you, we're going we're gonna to help you and give to you, he ended up coming on our ministry team, not paid, coming on our ministry team and being one of the best elementary teachers we've ever had. Wow. I was just like, well, why? Well, because we're just doing our best to lead uh, like, like a shepherd. So uh, today um, we have uh, over 500 people that call Canvas home. Not a huge church, right? But this is the cool part about our church, I think. We only have one full-time paid staff member. It's me, so of course it's cool. Um, But one full-time, you know, where statistics are like for every hundred, you should have, and it's like we have one full-time paid staff member. And then we have a couple part-time people, and that's it. But yet when you see our team, our team is made up of people that used to pastor churches. And they're there because they, they get this sense of, man, there's something healthy here when you lead like, a shepherd. Right. And so uh, that's all I have to say. Um, I'd like to open up for some Q&A, but before I do, I'm, I literally am going to, John, come on up here. You're going to help me out with Q&A. <laughs> Priscilla, come on up here. You're going to help me out with Q&A. Okay, come on up here. And then before you go, I'd love to pray for you. Just because it feels like church to me. <laughs> Questions? And we'll repeat the question so they catch it on here, right? Is that what yes. we want to do? Okay. Yes. Yeah, we will Yes, go ahead. Um, so being in that, like, that leadership role, like leading the flock and the people that God's entrusted you with, um, in the scenario where you stumble or fall, how do you continue to lead and grow from that stumble? Okay. So where you personally stumble? Or, yeah. yeah, okay. So the question is, is uh, when you're leading like a shepherd and you blow it, right, how do you... Uh, recover from that where people still respect you. That's a great question. Um, Yeah, own it. Um, I love, you know, um, Revelations, the book of Revelations. I told you I'm a preacher. Everything goes back to the Bible. (laughs) The book of Revelations talks about the key of David and he who has the key of David. So I thought about that one time. I was like, what is the key of David? I want it, right? Uh, What's the key of David? Here's the thing. Was David perfect? Mm -mm. He's an adulterer, a murderer, right? Took a, took a census when God was like, what are you doing? Stop counting. Right? Like he was, he wasn't like, but yet the Bible says he was a man after God's own heart. And I'll tell you that, that tripped me out for the longest time. It's like, if you can be a murderer and adulterer and disobey God and still be a man, there's hope for me. Right? Um, here's what I think the key to the key of David is. And this is just me and reading through scripture. And this is what I believe it is. It's the fact that he was quick to repent. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's good. Here's the cool part about leading like a shepherd. You ain't perfect. No. Right. You're not At our church, now we always talk about being in process, and yeah. I'm the biggest one in process. Yeah. And, and here's the thing. if it, You can preach that, but when all of a sudden people are looking at you and you actually practice it and you do it, like I've had to, I've had to go and apologize to people in my church. Mm-hmm. I've had to apologize to our elders, different people, and, and because I ain't perfect. Right? Yeah. And I think that's the key that, that Revelation talks about, the key of David, is that man, David blew it, but when he blew it, he was quick to respond and quick yeah. to repent and yeah. quick to own it. And so I think that's the, I think that's the key uh, of, of being, a, you know, leading like a shepherd is that, hey, look, because, because we care more about the process mm-hmm. yeah, than the product. And here's the other thing. If we don't do that, what happens is, is we create this pedestal effect yep. that here's me mm-hmm. and here's you. Right. We don't say it, but the way we live right. and the way we act creates it. 
So all of a sudden, you set yourself up, maybe not, 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 not yeah, not yeah. intentionally, but you set yourself up on a pedestal. And yeah. if you do that, I can, I can bring you real-time examples right now. We can talk through pastors, right, that mm-hmm. created that, me and them. Mm-hmm. You live by the sword, that's about to say? You're going to die by the sword, right? And all of a sudden, they fall. Well, everybody's jumping on that immediately. But if you just create this environment where I'm not perfect, you know I blew it, would you forgive me? Now, people are going to be quick to forgive mm-hmm. you. And mm-hmm. It's just going to flow through your whole entire culture. But if you don't do that, you create this, I'm above that. You all need to, but not me. Yeah. There's that, um, that old saying that all of us have heard and preach it all. You probably said this, but it's true that we lead through our strengths, but we connect to people through our weaknesses. And um, when it comes to shepherding and leading, at least I have found, we launched our church in Vegas two and a half years ago. And um, as we've gone through our own process of learning how to do this thing, of learning how to shepherd, I found that one thing to be extremely effective at winning the heart of people. Because I think so so many times we're up there and it almost feels like if you can impress them with your gift, Mm. if they can fall in love with your ability to exegete scripture, then maybe they'll come back and then, of course, bring somebody with them. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) But what I have found is, just like Ben was saying, we have connected so much better by being vulnerable, yeah. Yeah. apologizing, yeah. keeping it real, yeah, you know, and yeah. that's really where we have had some of the most uh, connecting moments with people is just like what you were saying. What do you do? You be real and do exactly what Ben said. Man, I'm sorry. I blew it. I'm, I'm a person, too. Now, I know yeah. I'm up on the stage, but I'm yeah. Jack, you know, and yeah. so uh, that, that's been big for us in, in, yeah. in that as well. Good question. Good. Yep. Okay. Uh, sorry. How do you um, how do you balance the importance of pastoring people in your church and also evangelism in getting the people the people into the church? Mm-hmm. How do you balance that and, and like sharing with people on your team the importance of actually pastoring people around you and also reaching the lost? Okay. Um, Good question. So the question is: Is how do I, as a leading like a shepherd, how do you balance pastoring the people and then yet evangelism and bringing new people in? Um, do you want to go first or you want? Well, I, I don't remember who said it, but long time ago we, we <laughs> caught this. Um, and it's that shepherds don't produce sheep, sheep produce sheep. And so if you care for your sheep, the ones that God has entrusted to you and you love them, you watch over them, you protect them, you, you feed them, you, you know, give them nourishment from the word that they need uh, naturally they're going to produce other sheep. They're going to leave your service on a Sunday morning and they're going to talk about it on Monday when they're at work and their coworkers going to see the transformation that's happened in their lives. And they're going to see the, the Instagram post or the Facebook check-in and they're going to be like, wait a second. That's the, my, my sister-in-law, her, that's, um, one of her friends and one of the gals that's in our church came and got saved and is a leader in our church because somebody saw her check in at our church and they were like, wait a second, you're going there and your life looks different. I need to know about this. And she ended up coming, gave her life life to Christ and is serving in our church today. So shepherds don't produce sheep. And I think a lot of times we're trying to get out there and produce more sheep and get the sheep to come in to the church when the reality is if we just love on and care for the ones that God's entrusted to us, they're going to go out and they're going to, they're going to reproduce. So and, that's what I would And we, we have a philosophy that come and see evangelism is the best form of evangelism. Right. That's just us. I mean, I know there's missional communities and right. you go with what God's yeah, been here, yeah, but yeah. for us, we yeah. really believe that come and see evangelism is, is probably for us. It's the best. What I mean by that, when, uh, the woman at the well met Jesus in John chapter four, mm-hmm. right? What did Jesus do? Jesus zoned in on her cared for her, brought healing to her, mm-hmm. rocked her world with a prophetic word, challenged her, right? Mm-hmm. He didn't, I mean, he didn't hold back, right? He yeah. challenged her, but he cared for her. And what did she do? She went to her town and said, come and see yeah. a man, yeah. right? And we believe that as we, uh, when we shepherd, we really are setting people up for evangelism yeah. because we're caring. I mean, who, who wouldn't want to go get their friends and say, man, you got to come to this place, man. These people love me and my yeah. life has become better because of it. And man, this yeah. happened and that happened and, and they're, they're in what, 
they're going to bring their friends. And the other thing we do intentionally, uh, or we try to do, we don't always do it perfectly, um, but one thing we try to do is because you can talk about evangelism all you want, but in most churches, evangelism is an event, not a lifestyle, right? So what we've, we've tried to do is we've tried to say, hey, if we really believe come and see evangelism is the best, and we want people to feel comfortable bringing their friends to church, then the idea, the idea we've adapted is we're going to preach to believers in a way that a non-believer can understand it, right? So it's not, we're just going to, we're going to, we're going to give the same content, but we're going to give it in a way that anybody walking through the door, a seeker, if you will, right? A seeker, if you will, will come through the door and be like, I totally understand what he's, I don't believe it, but I totally understand it. And I think that's a win for us. If someone walks out still not believing yet, but understood what we said, man, that's a win, right? Because that's our approach, because we think come and see evangelism is, is, is the best. And so we pass the people through. Do you guys have anything you want to add? Or? Well, we, we believe it's connected into every believer's purpose um, to actually be evangelists. Um, we believe that Jesus modeled that all the time. He, I mean, he says that he would leave the 99 to run after the one. Yeah. So we are already found as believers, and that's the way we treat our people. You are found. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, we always go back and talk about um, the time that we lost our daughter in a in a water park mm-hmm. yeah. oh. and the intensity of emotion that was on us when it was about 20 minutes. Um, well, it was, it was my son. My, he had my daughter, but... It was like the whole family was in complete chaos because we lost our son without floaties in a water park. He's two years old. And why was he in not floaties? So mom failed, (laughs) right? Mom failed. But anyways, when we went up to the workers, they're like, okay, can you just give a description of like, (laughs) no urgency at all. Like, and I'm like, he's two, he's probably dead. You know, like I'm freaking out. And in my mind, that has always hit us how the heart of God would feel. We are all found, but yeah. there are children out there drowning, yeah. missing. Yeah. And so our church, for us, we're like, you. we are an evangelistic Great Commission church, and it is tied into your purpose as a believer. So we have an invitational culture. We don't, I mean, we believe it's your responsibility, your responsibility to fill this church. You yeah. are the church. Right. We are empowering you. We give you a place to bring people right. so that you can fulfill the call of God right. that's on your life. Yeah, and the best thing yeah. you can do in that scenario is just if, if you find that your people aren't inviting people, ask that's them why. Because mm. I guarantee you they're going to give you a reason why. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. take that back to the, your team and say, hey, guys, right. here's why people aren't bringing people to our yeah. church. And honestly, most of the time, it's not even a spiritual thing. Mm-mm. It's, well, it's because the music's way too loud. Mm-hmm. Or it's because, well, the line at the Small children's places. check-in, like, it's so long. Like, I love mm-hmm. the church, but I don't want to bring my friend there and have them stand on the... Ask them. Question in the back. So the question is, how do you navigate as a solo full-timer in a church of our size? Two for one. Right. Um, so, uh, no, this is a, a big part of it. My wife knows she's just as called as I am. Yeah. And uh, we actually could pay her full time right now, uh, but we're just choosing not to. Um, and not just me, but that's the, the board. Actually, our board keeps wanting to give her full time and me and other people. And I'm like, but they're happy. Let's see how long we can you know, take this. Thing. <laughs> I'm sure if you ask like the part time staff, we have like, we're they're not like, happy. Wait, you know? we're not um, happy. So um, for us and this and this is just for us. All right. So yeah, you can't take what we're doing and say, hey, we're going to run with that. And it's going to work. OK, uh, for. Yeah, this is just description of us for us. God has continued, I think because of this principle, God has continued to bring us high caliber leaders mm-hmm. that are able to function at a work full time function. So like our, our, um, our worship pastor, and he is our worship pastor, him and his wife, he has a full time job and he's killing it. And he just, I mean, he's just, he's making a lot of money. I could never hire him never, yeah. for what he's getting paid. And so I'm like, well, how much time can you give us? And he said, I'll give X amount of hours to the church. He said, here's what I need. I need a part-time admin person. So what did we do? We hired a part-time admin person. Person Works 12 hours. No, what does she work? Well, for him, she does 10 hours. 10 hours a week. 
And, um, and that's all he needs is, and he can run at a high level. And so we just, we have a lot of people. I have another guy that actually, um, he's in a, he's 63, I think. And, um, he used to be, oh, he used to be a lead pastor and he's now over an organization. He's like, Hey, I'll give you 20 hours a week. And so he comes in 20 hours a week. And so some of it's unique to our setting and that we don't have to. Um, but I think the reason it's unique to our setting is because we, we've applied this. Um, and so we just have a lot of people like that. And I think that's a great thing to do. Um, as a church, because here's the thing we're so tempted to do is once, and here's the thing, when you first plant the church, you have no money, right? You just have a lot of passion, a lot of zeal, and you make it work. Mm-hmm. What happens is all of a sudden we start getting money and we're like, well, we can hire that out. And we can hire that out because we, yeah. we think it's going to make things easier. It doesn't make things easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. Matter of fact, it diminishes your leadership. Right. If you just look and say, okay, here's where we're at and we can still push a little further. Um, and so we just, we just leverage that. That makes sense. I would say vision is a huge part of it. Um, For us, uh, the whole um, mission statement vision of our church is to create a space where people can encounter Christ, know his love, and begin to live in the purpose he has for their lives. What is that purpose? Take it all the way back to Genesis. You know, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. Um, And so that, that, that last piece for us is seeing them engaged and in serving in ministry with the gifts that God has given to them and equipped them with. Um, and so that's a part of our vision, seeing people released in the ministry. And so we encourage that. People want to be a part of it. And so I think when you paint the vision for people in such a way that they can see it, it's tangible, they can run with it, man, you're going to see people come in that you could never pay them to do what they do on a Sunday morning. Um, and, and there'll be high caliber people that want to be involved and so it's really just um creating a space and painting vision that people want to be a part of and um and seeing volunteers come in what one this summer we were away on vacation for a wedding with our family and we were watching the live stream of our service and all of a sudden ben stopped and he just looked at me and he goes there's no paid person at our church right now. Yeah. Like the whole thing yeah. Yeah. was being run solely and completely. Not by even volunteers. a part-time paid Not person. even nobody. They there. were all gone. We were yeah. all we were all gone. And, and uh, I actually got afraid for a moment. Yeah, he did. Yeah. It was a, it was like a oh my gosh, is everything gonna work out? And did it? Absolutely it did yeah. because they're amazing, amazing people. But we don't have any we don't yeah. have any paid Yeah. Well well. We get paid. Hey. But <laughs> we don't exciting. even, hey. we don't even have years. admins. Yeah. We don't have admins. Yeah. And our, there's there's nine of us total that basically have committed awesome. our lives to yeah. this. They've worked their entire work schedules to where we meet every single Monday morning, which is the worst day, but that's the only way it all worked, um, from 8 to like 10.30 every Monday morning. They've all worked their um, work schedules around that meeting. We plan everything for the church. And we honestly have stopped feeling bad about not yeah. giving them yeah. money yeah. because it's yeah. the most you're fulfilling. Yeah. You're not asking for money, right. honestly. Right. And yeah. it's the most fulfilling thing of their life. Yeah. They are like, yeah. if we could do this every day, right. um, like I think about it all week long. Um, how can we give That's more? Awesome. What could we do for you? What else That's does amazing. the church need? Yeah. They all run teams, yeah. departments, and we leave all the time and leave awesome. nobody. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's one thing I discovered in this whole thing is that God wants our church to grow more. <laughs> That we do, yeah. Yeah. and sometimes it feels the opposite. It's like yeah. God, if I could just get this lined up, then maybe if I could find the secret formula of success in my city, then we get this whole thing going on. And it almost seems like God is like, "No, I'm not going to because you're not this," and that's not even the heart of God. And what right. you're seeing people discovering is God will send you what you need mm-hmm. in order for you to do what you're called mm-hmm. to do. Right. And it yeah. builds this unbelievable, incredible faith on the inside of you that you cannot experience yeah. any other way. Because yeah. logic tells you you can't get that level of commitment unless there's a paycheck connected to it. It's totally not true. But the Holy Spirit just does something on the inside Come of them on. where they That's just right. connect into yeah. what God has called them to do too. Yeah. And so you have this like synergy of mm-hmm. people that sense the common vision and yeah. that's what's driving the whole thing. And yeah. we give our life yeah. to them. Yeah. They are yeah. our family. They mm-hmm. we are like blood in, blood out. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So it's like mm-hmm. there's so other like ways. <laughs> I mean kinda, but like there's other 
it's there's an intangible thing people are looking to be known and connected right. in yeah. and so there's yeah. more than just monetary ways to right. compensate people right, right. right. So i would true. i would also say the other way because talking about shepherding and caring for the people practically yeah. you know uh the the people that are paid on staff can't pastor and care for 500 people mm-hmm. in our church there's just no way that that right. can happen um and so for us we're a church um i know we're a church of small groups yeah. and that's how the care for people takes place yeah practically from day to day week to week is through our small groups we're not a church with small groups or a church I've hey guys it's four o'clock and we're supposed to be done so why don't we do this all right why don't you stand up i'm going to pray for you if you have more questions you'd like to ask we'll hang out here as long as you want us to and you can ask questions also um right at the end after i'm done praying i'll give you my email address and phone number if you want to shoot any questions out feel free to do that um and i uh, would love just to be a resource for you all right All right, let me pray for you. God, thank you so much for this time together. Lord, I thank you for every person that is here right now in this room. God, you you drew them here for some reason. Um, God, no matter what their role is, no matter what their uh, specific job title is at their church, you brought them here. Uh, to hopefully invest something in them. So, God, I pray that each and every person walk out of here uh, just having a nugget that they can apply to their life and to their situation and to their ministry. Um, and as, as they do, God, they would just continue to be faithful with the people that you've entrusted to them, yes. not looking at where they could be and not looking, looking at what they could have, but just being faithful to what you entrusted to them. And as they're faithful there, God, you'll continue to add everything they need. God, I thank you for what you're doing through ARC. Thank you that we get to be a part of it. In Jesus' mighty name. Yes, Lord. Amen. Amen. Hey, if you want to write it down, my email is ben at canvassd.com. Ben at canvassd.com. If you don't write it down, you can come get it from me later. My phone number, if anybody wants it, come see me. I'll give it to you. If you have any questions, the four of us will be here for a little bit longer. And come and ask. We're here for you.